Hello everyone, so it is definitely my concluding of my talks about my permanent singleness, my permanent child freedom, my permanent living alone. And my permanent pet freedom. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my emotional intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my physical intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my unconditional intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my aesthetic intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my work intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my commitment intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my creative intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom. Regarding my conflict intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my crisis intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my spiritual intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my intellectual intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my experiential intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my circumstantial intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my recreational intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my financial intimacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my decision-making skills. In the name of wisdom, without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my problem-solving skills. In the name of wisdom, without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my creative thinking skills without competing commitments. 
Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my lateral thinking skills without competing commitments. Every day, I grow my critical thinking skills in name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in my communication interpersonal skills in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding myself awareness and self-confidence skills in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my assertiveness and equanimity skills without competing commitments in the name of wisdom. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my resilience and coping with emotions and coping with stress and managing emotions and managing stress skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my emotional intelligence skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my emotional literacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my emotional self-regulation skills without commu- without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my gelatology skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my hope theory skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my impermanent skills without competing commitments in the name of wisdom. And remember, every day I grow in wisdom regarding my hope theory skills and my gelatology skills, both in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in my kindness skills in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my empathy skills without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in my life skills-based education skills in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my moral development skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my people skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my personal boundary skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my professional boundary skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my positive psychology skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my acronym RULER, R-U-L-E-R, which refers to the five key emotion skills of recognizing, understanding, labeling, expressing, and regulating emotions RULER skills. In the name of wisdom, every day I grow in them all without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my social intelligence skills without competing, without competing commitments. Every day I grow in my social skills in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day. I grow in wisdom every day regarding my soft skills in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day. I grow in wisdom regarding my soft skills 
every day without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my study skills without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in my multiple intelligences skills in name of wisdom every day without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my interest in vocational skills in name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day, I grow in wisdom regarding my healthy attitudes without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my literacy skills without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my numeracy skills in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. Every day I grow in wisdom regarding my citizenship skills transversal skills, lifelong learning skills, uh, financial literacy skills, writing skills, reading skills, humor skills, boundary skills, conflict resolution skills, and self-control skills every day in the name of wisdom without competing commitments. And I just had to say that also as I have been thinking about what it means for me to not be a family man. I also recognize that I'm not very big on dating. I recognize that I'm very big on the essentials. I'm not very big on the extras that are not the essentials. Essentials are necessities, what we need. Extras are what we don't need and what we can do without and it won't cause us any human dysfunctionalities. Well, I'm speaking for myself in this in these contexts. I think that dating is awesome. However, I'm not the type that feels that if I don't have a humongous obsession with romance and with the whole having to have somebody, then somehow I'm deficient. I disbelieve that. I've also learned that I am much more focused. I'm much more focused on doing my purpose. I'm more purpose oriented, meaning I'm, I, I am my life purpose is oriented. And I feel that that gives me the most joy to actually do what I was 
genetically programmed to do. Biologically designed to do. When I think about how in terms of my sex drive, I recognize that my passions are not too strong. My libido is not too high where I feel like I need to have someone. Um, so I can go day with day after day after day after day without feeling like I have a consistent sexual yearning to tend to. In fact, that helps me with not being a family man because I can complete the task for my life's purposes for each and every day without feeling as if if I go a day without sex, then somehow I am of moral depletion or I am of human incompletion. I don't feel that way. I'm not very big on sex, and I know that's what I'm saying is shocking to people. Let me explain. I'm not very big on sex because it is spectacular experience. Sex is. That is true. However, what would frustrate my sex drive is having sex with unhealed individuals and unhealed groups of individuals. What would frustrate my sex drive is having sex with those who want other people to do all the healing work for them. And they want to claim vicarious healing through other people and not do any of the healing work themselves. Well, if I straight my sex drive is sleeping with those who want you to do the healing work And even if they see you do the healing work, they're going to keep wallowing in their own self-chaos. So even if you do everything they want you to do in terms of heal me for me, they're still going to, they're still going to re-wound themselves every day. It's a no-win scenario when it comes to the unhealed. Well, what frustrates my sex drive is sleeping with those who know better but 
don't do better. What what frustrate my sex drive is... People creating a religion out of me, also known as idol worship, out of making me the center of their universe. Because that's often what happens to extraordinary people. Many people treat you as if you're God, as if you're superhuman. Um, and that, that, that would cause more f- frustrations in my sex drive that were to happen. Well, what frustrate my sex drive is a person and people who live a life of of traumatically feeling the voids in their lives of pleasure, power, experience Possessions, wealth, intellect, but deep down they are empty, foolish, pointless, irrational, useless, and meaningless. They feel like they have to fill these voids with approval, knowledge, work, popularity, relationships. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex. Treasured habits, leisure time friendships, professional relationships. They think that all these things, including the American Dream and Big Willie style, will help them heal, but they're constantly living lives of self-re-traumatization and the traumatization of others. Sometimes we're traumatizing others because they traumatize themselves. Those type of people do these type of things, it would greatly frustrate my sex drive. So I feel like I could not sleep with comfort addicts I could not sleep with approval addicts, ambition addicts. Um, How does this all relate to me not being a family man? Well, a lot of times people 
who have been made to feel like something's wrong with them if they don't reproduce or they're not a pet owner or they're not a spouse or they don't live with another person and live with others and they don't, you know, don't have their own, like, family that they've created and somehow they can't fill their life's voids appropriately, which is a lie in and of itself. I really had to learn that um, my sex drive has become medium to low. In between medium and low. Um, My sex drive has subsided ever since I cut out um, pornography from my life and ever since I've you know cut out erotica from my life because again I haven't found any pornography erotica that is affirming of us rape survivors and violent survivors I've recognized that my sex drive is finally where it needs to be. At one point, it was too many partners, the wrong partners, all of them. And my sex drive was way too high. Over time, my sex drive was getting lower, healthily, to where it finally subsided, I dare say, on December 16th, which is yesterday. Um, I've noticed that I feel a sense of I can sleep well without the raging hormones. I can I can shower without feeling the constant need to self-ejaculate. I can walk and move throughout my life and go throughout my day and focus without sex constantly being something that tries to appear in the front of my mind. I don't have to constantly live a life where I gotta have, I gotta have sex and it's in my head. Um, that doesn't happen to me anymore because the more I enhance my sexual erotic and sensual self-discipline slash erotic, sensual, and sexual self-controls, the more I've recognized that I can even spend most of my day each day not being horny, not feeling erotic urges, sexual urges, sensual urges, and not feeling like I have to find somebody before I go to sleep and have sex, or I gotta find somebody and date night them because, oh, my inclinations, I don't feel that anymore. I don't make myself 
horny like I used to. I don't feel like I'm not feeling horny right now. Something's wrong with me. I don't do that anymore. I don't make myself feel the urges. I let the urges naturally come upon me versus preoccupying myself and make and abusing the urges. I was never I've never been a sex criminal, never have been, never will be. I've never been a violent criminal, never have been, never will be. But what I'm saying is is that these were all trauma centered, trauma inspired sex lessons I learned as a child. Um, if I'm not horny, I don't masturbate. If I'm not horny, I don't hope, man, I can get, hope I can get laid tonight or today. I don't feel that way. Um, I no longer feel inadequate if I go a whole day without feeling horny. I no longer feel inadequate if I don't go a whole day without having an erection. I don't, I no longer feel inadequate if I go a whole day without having a wet dream, sex dream, and nocturnal emissions. I don't feel, I no longer feel inadequate if I go a whole day without having a high sex drive. I know, I no longer feel inadequate about going a whole day without porn. I don't, I no longer feel inadequate if I don't go a whole day without consuming erotica. I no longer feel that I'm going, I no longer feel inadequate if I go a whole day without um, consuming um, sex scenes in television and movies. This was stuff I did when I was younger because of the traumas of my compound traumas of my childhood, but especially the compound sexual traumas of my childhood, but um, I had to cut out the sex scenes in movies and television because they're unfriendly to us rape survivors and violent survivors. I had to cut out a lot of the wet dreams and sex dreams and nocturnal missions because they were not inspired by humans being humans. It was inspired by trauma. So my nocturnal missions are extremely rarely. And when they happen, it's because of my moving forward in my life, not because of trauma. And I can say the same thing about my wedding and sexual. They're not inspired by trauma anymore. They happen extreme rarities. And when they happen, it's because I am um, moving forward in my life, not because of trauma. So, um... I don't even force myself to have nocturnal missions by dream sex dreams anymore. I let them happen on their own. And um, as a person who has been um, healing myself sexually, what is it like for me now? And honestly, 
I'm so glad that I was able to convince myself truthfully, 100%, that I'm not a sex demon. I'm not incub. I'm not incubus. I'm not succubus. I'm not a sex devil. I'm. I'm not sexually demon possessed. I don't need any sexual exorcisms. Um, I'm not a sex fiend. I'm not a sex addict. I don't do sexually compulsive behaviors. I don't do sexually impulsive behaviors either. Um, I'm not a porn addict. I'm not a masturbation addict. Um, it, I now fully have a healthy relationship with sexuality, sensuality, and eroticism and romance. Um, my relationships are no longer transactional. Um, they were in the past, and those weren't real relationships at all. So this helps me as a permanently single, permanently child-free, permanently pet-free, permanently living on my own type of person. Because when I was growing up in, like, church, um... They used to quote 1 Corinthians chapter 7 all the time. And as I started reading the passage, I became more understanding of myself. Um, for example, naturally, I don't look for a spouse. Because... I am my own spouse. I don't look for what I already am to myself. Um, I don't have a lack of self-control. I don't make it fun for Satan to tempt me because now and forevermore that I have excellent parameters regarding sensuality, sexuality, eroticism, and romance, Satan is miserable when it comes to trying to tempt me. It's... He don't even try anymore because... Of the I know thyself, myself creed that I have for me. Um, I don't deprive myself sexually, sensually, erotically, romantically. And I don't deprive anybody else. Sexually, sensually, erotically, and romantically. And nobody deprives me sensually, sexually, erotically, romantically. Um, I don't feel the need to... Well, we got to abstain for mutual consent for a time and devote ourselves to prayers. Like, I don't have any sexual struggles, erotic struggles, romantic struggles, and sensual struggles that are so overpowering me that, okay, we got to talk to God because 
Our personal lives together is in shambles. That's not us. I don't think sex is perverted. I don't think eroticism is perverted. I don't think sensuality is perverted. I don't think romance is perverted. Um... I don't burn with passion from the standpoint of, oh my God, if I never, ever get to have sex, I'm going to be a sexually chaotic human being. I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I need to marry to have a wholesome sexuality because I'm already sexually, erotically, sensually, and romantically sound-minded, I don't need a spouse to feel complete in that. I don't feel the need to populate the earth because I don't populate the earth by creating more humans. I populate the earth by inspiring the humans already created to do right and continue to do what's right. I don't feel the need to have companionship in the form of a spouse because the essential companionship I, I need in my life is chosen family, true family, and chosen friends, true friends. Anything other than that is just extra. Even if I don't have the extras, I focus on my needs, not my wants. I respect my wants, but my wants are the extras. Even if I don't get to have them, I'm not going to throw temper tantrums internally, externally because of it. Um, I don't have trouble controlling myself. That's why I don't marry the first person who comes along. The pressure of desire doesn't ruin my life because there's no pressure of desire in the first place pertaining to me. I don't put myself in an unhappy relationship, unhappy life partnership, unhappy marriage. I don't avoid marriage to frustrate my normal sex drive. I avoid marriage for all the right reasons. I avoid biological fatherhood for all the right reasons. I avoid pet owning for all the right reasons. I avoid living with another for all the right reasons. I avoid living with others for all the right reasons. Sexual pressure is never a motive for me to do anything and everything because I don't have any sexual pressure. I don't have any erotic pressure. I don't have any sensual pressure. I don't have any romantic pressure. None of those things have anything to do with me nor my life. Um...
I don't reject sex. I don't reject romance. I don't reject eroticism. I don't reject sensuality. Um, I can control myself. That's one of the reasons why I don't marry. I don't get married because of what is biblically called sexual immorality. I don't reproduce because of what they would call erotic immorality. I don't own pets because of sensual immorality. I don't live with another and live with others because of romantic immorality. None of those immoralities have anything to do with me. I have authority over my own body. That's what, and I enjoy it best by not being a family man. I don't feel like I have to marry to best enjoy authority over my own body and them having authority over my own body too. I don't feel the need to, oh, I have to best marry in order to, I have to, I have to marry to best have you know, authority over their body and they have to have authority over their body too and enjoy it best that way. I don't feel that way. Um, I don't feel the need to fulfill my marital duty to my spouse and my spouse fulfilling their marital duty to me because I don't see marriage as... 100% protection from loneliness. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from sexual temptation. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from emptiness. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from hollowness. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from shallowness. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from superficiality. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from materialism. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from vanity. I don't see marriage as 100% protection from greed. Um, I don't think that marriage causes the elimination of life's difficulties. I don't see marriage as satisfaction of my deepest emotional needs. I don't think marriage will solve all my problems. Um, I don't think that my sexual desires are so difficult to withstand because they appeal to the normal natural desires that I have. 
because I'm I'm extraordinarily well sexually, erotically, romantically, essentially self-disciplined slash self-controlled that my natural, normal, healthy sexual desires slash sexual needs don't drive me crazy because they don't have the keys to the car. I don't think that marriage is my one and only way to satisfy these natural, normal, healthy sexual desires slash sexual needs of mine because I am my own sensitive lover. I am my own hospitable lover. I don't feel like I have to get married to strengthen myself against temptation because there's no temptation in the first place. My sexual discernment is that strong. My erotic discernment is that strong. My romantic discernment is that strong. My 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 sensual discernment is that strong. My erotic discernment is that strong. My sexual discernment is that strong. My romantic discernment is that strong. I don't seek to be married because I don't feel like I need to have somebody else to complete me. I complete me. I don't feel the need to have marriage to have complete equality in sexual relationships, erotic relationships, sensual relationships, and romantic relationships. Um, I don't seek dominance because I am my own servant leader. My own autonomy does not mean that I don't ask for help when I actually need it. I seek the right help from the right people when I absolutely need it. However, I don't carry myself as a charity case, as a basket case either. I don't decide not to get married because eroticism is wrong and sex is wrong and romance is wrong and sensuality is wrong. No, romance is good. Sex is good. Eroticism is good and sensuality is good. I don't feel like, oh my God, I have to get married so we I can fuf- we can fulfill each other's needs and desires sexually, and we can't withhold ourselves sexually because we would be sexually hurting God's feelings. I don't feel that way. I don't need someone else to be sexually responsible. I don't need someone else to be erotically responsible. I don't need someone else to be romantically responsible. I don't need someone else to be sensually responsible. 
I know in my heart, I don't sensually hurt God's feelings. I don't sexually hurt God's feelings. I don't erotically hurt God's feelings. I don't romantically hurt God's feelings. And... I don't remain not a family man because of crises and conflicts. I remain not a family man because of my own inner peace. And it's also a major aspect of my natural inclination towards world peace. I don't... I don't think I should become a family man because time is short. That's a wrong reason to be a family man. I disagree with Paul, the apostle, when he says, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Because that's instilling individual delusions and collective delusions. I disagree with the Apostle Paul when he says those who mourn as if they do not because that causes detachment from emotions and it can make you an unfeeling, unconcerned, uncaring monster. Um, Those who are happy as if they were not, I disagree with the Apostle Paul when it comes to that because no one should live in la-la land and no one should live in doom and gloom either. People should live in emotional wisdom. There's more good than bad in life. Harp on the good more than the bad. And deal with each and every human emotion wisely. But overall enjoy life much more than the times where you feel like you don't. I disagree with the Apostle Paul when he says those who buy something if it were not theirs to keep because... Don't be stingy, don't be greedy. But also, you have to self-care and care for the right amount of people. Care for the right people. Don't give all your stuff to everybody. You have to have discernment with, okay, there's a dip, there's a ba- well-balance between self-sharing and sharing with others. You have to be able to have for yourself and have for others and no one is slighted, not even yourself, because of it. I disagree with the Apostle Paul when he says, those these things the world as if not engrossing them because material things are not a problem. Using them out of vainglory is. Material things are not a problem, but using them from the standpoint of exploitation is. 
So I can use the things of the world to be to as a form of kindness to others and myself. Um, I disagree with the Apostle Paul when he says, for this world in its present form is passing away. That is a bleak way of looking at life. This world is not passing away. This world is transitioning. There's a difference between death and the growth of life. The passing away means focusing on all the negativity and immersing yourself in as if you're the daily news where most of our wealth comes from the bad in life. That type of incur- that type of unhealthy thinking makes people think, well, there's nothing really eternal in life. That's a lie. Our legacies are eternal. And what really complements the eternalness of our legacies is that we were wholesome throughout the duration of our lives. So actually, our world is in transitioning. People are becoming, people are killing negative attitudes in their hearts. And people are resurrecting and birthing positive attitudes in their hearts. That They're crucifying the toxicity of their lives. So some aspects of life should pass away, meaning hard-heartedness and cruelty, which should be resurrected in birth and never crucified is... empathy and neighborliness and compassion words you hear me say all the time in these episodes and the apostle Paul may seem like married people are the only people who face many troubles in life single people we face many troubles in life too the troubles may be similar in some respects and different in other respects but I don't look at marriage as trouble, nor distraction. I don't look at singleness, not being a family man, as trouble and distractions either. Those are negative ways to look at human dynamics, relationally speaking. Um... I I disagree with the Apostle Paul's usage of the word virgin because not all virgins are females, not all virgins are males, and not all virgins are non-binary people. There are plenty of people who don't, who haven't had sex, who don't have female genitalias. So why is virgin misogynistically only applied to girls and women? I think that is dishonorable, disrespectful to girls and women. You know, male virgins are real. There's plenty of them. Non-binary virgins are real. There's plenty of them too. 
And I feel that it it's okay for virgins to marry if they want to. It's okay if not all virgins want to marry. That's awesome. Um, Because in church, they make it seem like a virgin marrying is better than a non-virgin marrying. Nope. I strongly disagree with that. The people that should be married and need to be married and want to be married for all the right reasons should be should be maritally blissful and they're having sex or lack of sex is irrelevant. The care their character is the only aspect that's completely relevant to their marital unification. And I feel like you can look for a spouse from a standpoint of per, be, of being pursuant, not chasing aimlessly. It's okay to be on the lookout for a spouse without any trauma complexes being the center of it. And it's okay to be single and be married not because of crises but because of what is appropriate for you for that time learn to be married to you while you're learning that don't be married learning to Enjoy your marriage. For that time, don't make yourself single. And I disagree with the Apostle Paul when he says an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. You can have divided interest as a single person. Married people aren't the only people who have divided interests. It's just that divided interests are not the same. We may have similar divided interests, but they're not completely the same. Because the interest of the single person is not going to be totally the same as the interest of the married person. So not every not every single person is Christian. Some single people are non-Christians. Um, not every married person cares about the world's affairs. Some don't. Not every married person cares about pleasing their spouse plenty of them don't and some married people don't have divided interests because their interests may be self-serving so what Paul is saying is not completely true um, there are some single people who are Christians um So some single people do care about pleasing the Lord. 
But remember, some don't. And some married people do care about the concerns about the affairs in the world and how they can please their spouse. For some married people, that is true, but that's not true for all married people. And some married people don't have divided interests. Some do. Some single people don't have divided interests, but some do. Everyone's situation is diverse, meaning different from a respectful standpoint, respectful vantage point. Um, and I feel like Some people Not every unmarried person is a virgin. You have unmarried you have some unmarried people who notice like to have sex and you have some unmarried people who have never had sex. So it's misogynistic to go, well, a virgin is an unmarried woman. Why is a lack of sex all about womanhood that is a form of biblical misogyny biblical chauvinism biblical cis heteropatriarchy biblical cis normativity biblical anatornativity um biblical cis sexism biblical heteronormativity biblical heterosexism um, biblical homophobia, biblical gay phobia, biblical femphobia, biblical transphobia, biblical discrimination against non-binary people, biblical lesbophobia, um, and virginity is an abusive, traumatic victimization social construct that harms women and girls the most, and that is the most violent towards women and girls. It causes people to think, let's be the sexual inspector gadget of women and girls, but men and boys, hey, they get to be sexually tormenting and sexually torturous, and we're going to Christianize that. A lot of people in church do that. And not all unmarried people are concerned about the Lord's affairs. Some unmarried people don't practice Christianity. Some virgins are not Christians. And then when it says her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, Not every female feels that way. Not every male feels that way. Not every non-binary person feels that way. Some females do, some males do, some non-binary persons do. And you have some males who are concerned about the Lord's affairs. Some of those males are virgins and some not. You have... Non-binary virgins who 
concerned about the Lord's affairs. Some do and some don't. Some unmarried males, some unmarried non-binary persons are concerned about the Lord's affairs, but there are some who are not. You have some males who aren't concerned. Who, who. You have some males and non-binary persons who are unmarried. Not all of them are concerned about the Lord's affairs, but some are. You have some males whose aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. Some males are not. You have some non-binary people who are who aim to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, and some are not. Um. And then when it says that, um, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband, here's the truth. Not all married people are cisgender and heterosexual. Some are members of the LGBTQI plus gender non-conforming non-binary community. Some single people are LGBTQI plus gender non-conforming and non-binary community members as well. So, some single people are concerned about the affairs of this world, some are not. Some married people are concerned about the affairs of this world and some are not. Some married people are Males and non-binary. Some single people are males and non-binary. Not every... Some single people are female. Some are not. Some married people are females and some are not. And... Some single people are cisgender heterosexual. Some are not. Some married people are cisgender heterosexual. Some are not. And not every married person is cisgender. Not every single person is cisgender. Not every married person is heterosexual. Not every single person is heterosexual. Um, some married women are not concerned about the affairs of the world. Some married women are not concerned about how they could please their husbands. Some married men are not concerned about the affairs of the world. Some married men are not concerned about how they can please their husbands. Some married men are not concerned about the affairs of this world. Some married men are not concerned about how they can please their wives. You know, so you have you have some married non-binary people. Some are concerned about the affairs of this world. Some are not. Some non-binary married people are concerned about how they please their spouses, and some don't. You have some. Married women who are concerned about the affairs of the world, some are not. You have some married women who are concerned about how they can please their wives, and some are not. Um, You have some married men who are concerned about how they can please their husbands. Some married women, how they can please their wives. Some married non-binary people that could please their spouses. Yes, you have some married men, some married women, some married non-binary women who are not concerned about to please their wives, their 
husbands and their non-binary spouses, you know, and just their spouses in general. I try my best to cover everyone. But, um, not every married person, not every single person is concerned about the affairs of this world and the, and the Lord's affairs. Some of those people cisgender are heterosexual. Some of those people are not cisgender and not heterosexual. Some are cisgender, not heterosexual. Some are not cisgendered, but heterosexual. Some are not cisgender and not heterosexual, you know? And then you have some people who, you know, don't interpret the family life in the same ways that the Apostle Paul did in if he, if he, in First Corinthians chapter seven, because of deferring cultural contextual wisdom that works for them. When Paul says, "I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, that you may live in a right way, undivided devotion to the Lord," um, I disagree with that because I think it is okay. To live the right way in more than one way. There's more than one way to live correctly. And it should not be limited to first century culture and customs. Um, There's more than one way to live the right way in 21st century culture and customs too. And that just because they, just because some people are not Christian, that doesn't mean they lack moral excellence. Moral excellence is not owned by the church. I just feel like biblical queer phobia is scattered throughout these entire passages written by Paul. And then uh, these, uh, these passages, it gets worse. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. <sighs> that is perpetuating trivializing rape. (sighs) He is not sinning they should get married. That's perpetuating marrying your rapist as a rape victim. Then verse 37. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, and this man also does the right thing. To me, that is perpetuating biblical toxic masculinity biblical hypermasculinity
it perpetuates male supremacy, male superiority, and also perpetuates female inferiority and female enslavement. That passage makes it okay for many people, especially men, to lack self-control. Apparently, self-control is a is a girl and woman thing, not a men and boys thing. To those who biblicize male pigs, being male pigs. I also don't like the fact that why does self-control have to be about not wedding someone who hasn't had sex? That's that doesn't resonate with right-minded sound-minded people. Self-control should be about your heart. There's plenty of well-self-controlled people who don't marry people who have sex and haven't had sex because they don't want to get married at all. You can have self-control as a single person. Self-control is not just for married people. Like, yeah, some people go, I'll marry a person whether they have sex or not because I just want to get married. But as long as they're self-control, that's okay. If they don't have self-control, that's, a, that's problematic because that is enforcing rape culture, which many people religionize. Then it gets worse. So then who so then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. To me, this passage is perpetuating denial of widespread rape and perpetuating refusing to acknowledge the harm caused by sexual violence. This passage is perpetuating psychological Warfare, victim blaming, victim shaming, and victim gaming that many people religionize these rape culture traits. And why does it have to be that this competition between single people and married people that's in the church and outside the church? Well, I'm a family woman. I'm a family man. So I'm doing better than you non-family men and non-family women. And the non-binary people are like, wow, we're the most victimized in these single versus married people contests. And also, I'm seeing biblical sexual objectification. Biblical commodification, biblical self-objectification, biblical reification. Um, it's a war rate mentality and a prison rate mentality that I'm seeing in these passages. I'm seeing biblical kink sh- shaming, biblical prude shaming, biblical consent shaming. 
biblical sex shaming, biblical slut shaming, biblical body shaming too, I'm noticing. Then it says, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. So, to me, that means religionizing the hatred of contempt for and prejudice against women and girls. But if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. That's perpetuating biblically Christianizing the lower social status than men regarding where to keep women. Um, in my judgment, she's happy if she stays as she is, and I think until the Spirit of God. To me, that's perpetuating misogynist terrorism. It's perpetuating femicides, perpetuating violence against women and girls. It's perpetuating domestic violence, victims being women. And uh, it's perpetuating the rejection of feminine qualities. It's perpetuating the biblical contempt for institutions, work, hobbies, and habits associated with women. It even perpetuates the sexual harassment, coercion, sexological techniques aimed at controlling women, biblically speaking. It's perpetuating biblically socially excluding women and girls from full citizenship. It's perpetuating legally traumatizing girls and women. It's perpetuating discrimination against women and girls, biblically speaking. It perpetuates misogynistic gender roles, misogynistic stereotypes against women and girls. It's also perpetuating atheist discrimination and discrimination against people who are of faith but don't practice Christianity. That's what I notice in these passages too. And lastly, It also perpetuates victims of abuse, trauma, violence, rape and victimization, staying in harmful marriages because of the anti-divorce community that's in and out of religion. It's perpetuating viewing females as chattel property.
last statement I'll make is that why is consent only used for people who are within marriages but they're silent on marital rape in and outside the church and why is consent only used for people who are not victims of rape culture but the ones who are victims of rape culture the word consent is not applied to them so mutual consent is assuming that all marriages are free of rape which is a lie but they don't use the concept of mutual mutual consent when it comes to those who've been raped and it says for a time it's like wait a minute Rape culture time happens every day. But they only assume that, well, you have a time for mutual consent if rape culture doesn't directly happen to you. <sighs> these, these, those passages reinforce exactly why sex scandals, sex work scandals, online affair scandals, romantic affair scandals extramarital affair scandals, children out of wedlock scandals, incest scandals, necrophilia scandals, pedophilia scandals, group sex scandals are so popular in houses of worship. It makes me understand why the commercial sexual exploitation of adults and children in the form of the the sex trafficking, human trafficking of adults and children are so popular in houses of worship too. So this all relates to, you know, me being permanently single, permanently child-free, permanently pet-free, and permanently living alone. Because many people twist scripture to say that everyone should be free from multiply. And not everyone should do that because not everyone is wired for that. Um, Not everyone should be in matrimony because not everyone is wired to be a spouse. So when they use the Bible to say everybody should be married, that is false. That's untrue. And then when I think about um, how I have overall really enjoyed uh, my singleness in terms of how my living arrangements and my marital status and I get to just parent myself like I get to disagree with myself on some things when I need to I get to engage in um, uh, 
I get to be on self-accord when I need to be on some things. And... What I like is, is that I get to... I get to build my Eros or erotic love without competing commitments. I get to build my philia or affectionate love without competing commitments. I get to build my storche or familiar love without competing commitments. I get to build my ludus or playful love without competing commitments. I get to build my pragma or enduring love without competing commitments. I get to build my philosia or self-love without competing commitments. I get to build my agape or selfless love without competing commitments. I get to build my companionate love without competing commitments. I get to build my sacrificial love without competing commitments. I get to build my unconditional love without competing commitments. I get to build my compassionate love without competing commitments. Every day I'm building my logical, mathematical intelligence, linguistic intelligence, spatial intelligence, body kinesthetic intelligence, musical intelligence, interpersonal intelligence, intrapersonal intelligence, naturalistic intelligence, emotional intelligence, existential intelligence, creative intelligence, and collaborative intelligence without competing commitments. Every day, I get to every day, I get to visualize the world in 3D without competing commitments. Every day, I'm understanding myself, what I feel and what I want without competing commitments. Every day I'm finding the right words to express what I mean without competing commitments. Every day I'm coordinating my mind with my body without competing commitments. Every day I'm sensing people's feelings and motives without competing commitments. Every day I'm tackling the questions of why we live and why we die without competing commitments. Every day I'm quantifying things, making hypotheses, improving them without com- without competing commitments. Every day I'm discerning sounds, their pitch, tone, rhythm, and timbre without competing, commitment- competing commitments. Every day I'm understanding living things and reading nature without competing commitments. Every day I'm communicating with others and reading them without competing commitments. Every day I'm using language in the form of writing and speaking without competing 
commitments. Every day I, I'm using the ability to understand my inner self without competing commitments. Every day I'm about under, understanding and, and connecting when it comes to the nature without competing commitments. Every day I'm excelling in math and logical thinking without competing commitments. Every day I'm Utilizing introspective questions of life, death, and existence without competing commitments. Every day I get to engage in the traits of the disciplined mind, such as intellectual integrity, intellectual autonomy, intellectual empathy, intellectual courage, intellectual confidence and reason, intellectual fair-mindedness, intellectual perseverance, intellectual sense of justice, intellectual humility, and intellectual integrity. Say again, without competing commitments. Every day I get to overcome the traits of the undisciplined mind, such as intellectual hypocrisy, intellectual conformity, intellectual self-centeredness, intellectual cowardice, intellectual distrust of reason, intellectual disregard for justice, intellectual laziness, intellectual unfairness, and intellectual arrogance without competing commitments. Every day I get to use the universal intellectual standards such as clarity, accuracy, precision, relevance, depth, breadth, logic, significance, and fairness without competing commitments. By the way, the passages I read to you that Paul wrote, he was perpetuating biblical sexual narcissism Biblical narcissistic sexual abuse, biblical sexual sociopathy, biblical sexual psychopathy, and biblical sexual sociopathy. Including biblical sexual slavery, biblical sexual exploitation, and biblical sexploitation too. Apparently the Apostle Paul was championing such vileness in the biblical canon. And not everyone needs celibacy for sexual self-control. Not everyone needs to refrain from masturbation for sexual self-control. Not everyone needs to avoid pornography for sexual self-control. Not everyone needs to avoid kissing for sexual self-control. 
Not everyone needs to follow what religion is called the Billy Graham rule for sexual self-control. I need to make this clear that singleness, child freedom, pet freedom, and living alone are wholesome, conducive to or suggestive of good health, physical well-being, healthy, health-giving, healthful, good, good for those like me, beneficial, sustaining, strengthening, nutritious, nourishing, full of nourishment, full of nutrients, nutritive, uncontaminated, and alimentary. In fact, singleness, child freedom, pet freedom, and living alone are abilities, aptitudes, intelligences, gifts, geniusness, competence, skillfulness, strengths, cleverness, cleverness, and talents too. And the very last statement I make in this episode is that I am my happiest, my most euphoric, my most excited, my most gleeful, and my most cheerful. By, by my not having children, not having pets, not having any roommates, and my not having a spouse. By the way, not everyone needs to avoid erotica in order to have sexual self-control. I've noticed that birth control and contraception are missing topics from the Bible, which is pathetic inherently in and of itself.